In latest filing, Durham stresses the joint venture between Clinton paid operatives to vilify Donald Trump. Joint venture is legalese for criminal conspiracy by Brian Cates. It was fairly late on the afternoon of April 4th that special counsel John Durham made his latest series of filings in the case he is trying against former Hillary Clinton campaign operative Michael Sussman. Last night, right after the filings dropped, I did a long series of posts about filing number 61, where Durham tells the court why certain evidence, including Sussman's February 7, 2017 trip to the CIA, to give them an updated version of the Alpha Bank hoax, a visit in which he essentially repeated the exact same crime for which he is charged, should be admitted into his trial. You can read that long series of posts by starting right here, link in the article, on my Telegram channel. What drew my attention immediately to filing number 61 was a bombshell found early within its pages. An explosive text message appears. On page 2 of filing number 61, Durham suddenly reveals that he has in his possession a text message sent from Sussman to James Baker, general counsel of the FBI. Quote from the lawsuit, from the filing number 61. Indeed, on September 18th, 2016 at 7.24 p.m. i.e., the night before the defendant met with the general counsel, the defendant conveyed the same lie in writing and sent the following text message to the general counsel's personal cell phone. Jim, it's Michael Sussman. I have something time-sensitive and sensitive I need to discuss. Do you have availability for a short meeting tomorrow? I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or company. Want to help the Bureau. Thanks. The FBI general counsel responded, Okay, I will find a time what might work for you, to which the defendant replied, Any time but lunchtime. You name it. The first thing that leapt to my mind on reading that text message was, Why hadn't I seen it before? It's not in Sussman's indictment unsealed last September or in any filing made prior to this one. In the indictment, Durham says he'll prove Sussman lied about representing the Clinton campaign and Rodney Joffe as he made the handoff of the Alpha Bank hoax to the FBI based on Baker's recollection slash testimony at trial and on handwritten notes from Bill Priestap, the former FBI deputy director of counterintelligence. So... Why hasn't this Sussman to Baker text message included in Sussman's indictment? Why does Durham only mention Baker's recollection and former FBI Deputy Counterintelligence Director Bill Priestback's notes in the indictment if he also had this text message where Sussman just blatantly types out to Baker that he's not doing this approach with the Alpha Bank hoax on behalf of any client? Professor Margot Cleveland, a regular columnist at The Federalist, has almost immediately supplied a very likely answer to this question. The text message didn't appear in Sussman's September 2021 indictment because Durham didn't have it yet. Quote from Professor Margot Cleveland, thread, lots of filings hit in Sussman. Check this out. 
Was this on Baker's phone that the Office of the Inspector General didn't share with Durham until someone else mentioned it? End quote. Recall that in a filing almost two months ago, Durham revealed that he just discovered that the DOJ Inspector General's office, led by Michael Horowitz, had failed to turn over a phone that James Baker had surrendered to it. I wrote about that here in this column entitled, Did the DOJ Inspector General's office just try to pull a fast one on special counsel John Durham? Here's where I discussed how displeased John Durham was to find out that the OIG hadn't complied with his request for all material relevant to Baker. Quote, The DOJ OIG tried to hide all material related to a meeting that former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman had with Inspector General Horowitz about an OIG employee's computer supposedly being connected to a foreign VPN, and it was Sussman's own attorney's that alerted Durham to this omission, but that wasn't all. The OIG also tried to claim it had told Durham four years ago that it had former FBI General Counsel James Baker's phones. But then the OIG somehow forgot to mention this when the Durham Special Counsel's Office specifically requested all discovery material related to Sussman's case last October. Naturally, John Durham was not pleased to discover that the Inspector General's office had somehow neglected to pass on these two key pieces of discovery evidence in the Sussman case to him. This led directly to the explosive filing in which Durham called out and exposed the OIG on both of these attempts to stonewall him. I sure hope all the other agencies out there are paying attention, like, say, the CIA, the State Department, and the FBI, end quote. I believe Professor Cleveland has put her finger exactly on why Durham didn't include what would be the strongest evidence of the crime Sussman committed in the indictment he unsealed last September. Because that highly incriminating text message was on one of the phones the OIG had forgotten to hand over to him until fairly recently. Durham didn't have it at the time. Once Durham's team got the phones from the OIG around January of this year, they found the text message on it and are now introducing it in a new court filing. Durham continues to flesh out the highly organized conspiracy among Clinton's paid operatives. Another fascinating trait of this spate of recent filings by the Durham Special Counsel's Office is how he continues to flesh out and expose the highly organized criminal conspiracy that existed among all of the Hillary Clinton campaign's paid private contractors. Quote, fact check. Special Counsel did not say Clinton paid tech boss to infiltrate Trump Tower and White House servers. February 16th, 2022 by Dean Miller. End quote. Despite furious fake news media denials that this isn't what he's claiming he'll prove in court with the evidence, Durham continues to make filings openly discussing how these private contractors at Newstar and 
Georgia Technical, working for the Clinton campaign, actually were spying on Trump and his associates electronically at Trump Tower, his Park West apartment, and later on inside the executive office of the president itself. Far from retreating from this claim of private spying, Durham continues to provide new details of it with each filing that he makes, and each new detail that emerges. You can be sure it won't be long until Donald J. Trump and his own legal team use it in their own lawsuit against Hillary and her minions. I pointed out in a recent column that in Trump's civil RICO lawsuit filed in Florida against Clinton and all her private operatives, the president does not go beyond anything that Durham had revealed thus far. In fact, it's fair to say that the Trump lawsuit is a kind of Cliffsnotes version of all of the evidence that Durham has thus far revealed in his three indictments and various court filings involving the cases of former FBI lawyer Kevin Kleinsmith, Sussman, and the Steele dossier's supposed primary source Igor Danchenko. It's on page 14 of his filing number 61 that Durham begins explicitly calling what Clinton's various private contractors at Perkins Coie, Fusion GPS, New Star, and Georgia Tech, a joint venture with a well-defined goal they were all in pursuit of. Quote from Filing 61. Joint venture involving the defendant, Tech Executive One, and the Clinton campaign. As an initial matter, the government expects that the evidence at trial will show that beginning in late July, early August 2016, the defendant, Tech Executive One, and agents of the Clinton campaign were acting in concert toward a common goal, UN 471F3D at 201-202, namely, the goal of assembling and disseminating the Russian Bank One allegations and other derogatory information about Trump and his associates to the media and to the U.S. government. In particular, the evidence will show that in late July and early August, Tech Executive One commenced a project in coordination with the defendant and law firm One to support an inference and narrative tying Trump to Russia. For example, calendar entries will show that on August 12th, August 17th, and August 19th, 2016, Tech Executive One had meetings and or conference calls with the defendant and the Clinton campaign's general counsel, i.e. campaign lawyer One. During or around that same time period, Tech Executive One began tasking his own employees and associates to mine and assemble internet data that would support an inference or narrative tying Trump to Russia. Tech Executive One expressly stated in emails that a purpose of this effort was to please these VIPs apparently referring to the defendant, campaign lawyer one, and the Clinton campaign. End quote. I'll point out that exactly the same time all these Clinton campaign private contractors suddenly formed this joint venture with the goal of targeting Donald J. Trump and his campaign with Russia hoaxes, late July, early August of 2016, it just so happens, Hillary Clinton herself had supposedly just given her personal approval of a plan brought to her by her campaign staff to vilify Trump with fake Russian collusion allegations as a way of distracting the public from her own email server scandal. As I've said before, if that Russian intelligence analysis that the CIA intercepted about the campaign strategy meeting held in late July 2016 at 
Clinton campaign HQ is fake, it was an amazingly accurate fake. The report claimed Clinton was shown the plan by her foreign policy advisor, Jake Sullivan, who's the current national security advisor for current President Joe Biden, and she approved going forward with it. And voila. About this same time, you suddenly have Michael Sussman, Mark Elias, Rodney Jaffe, the Georgia Tech researchers Glenn Simpson and Peter Fritsch at Fusion GPS, Christopher Steele and Igor Danchenko at Orbis Business Intelligence, leaping into action to begin furiously inventing Trump-Russia collusion hoaxes. It'd be pretty hard to sell this as just an amazing coincidence. As Durham keeps going and continues unveiling more evidence with each subsequent filing, as the trial date of May 15th continues to approach, I predict two things will happen. One, Trump will use the megaphone of his rallies and his RICO lawsuit to force the fake news media to cover what Durham is presenting, and two, The fake news media will descend even further into cognitive dissonance as they struggle to simultaneously make key admissions about the Biden crime family investigation, while at the same time stridently insisting Durham's got nothing. This is all a witch hunt, and Hillary Clinton did nothing wrong. Now that I think about it, I expect another big development. Sussman is going to suddenly change his plea to guilty. It may be that we've been watching a fake slap fight between Durham and Sussman, as Durham used Sussman's filings to exert maximum pressure on other co-conspirators to flip and cooperate. The filings have allowed Durham the opportunity to show just how much evidence he has of the RICO conspiracy. Had Sussman quickly pled guilty back at his arraignment in September 2021, Durham doesn't get to reveal all this stuff in court filings over the past six months. Think about how much we wouldn't know at this point without all the Sussman filings that have been made. And it must be remembered that Durham can drop superseding indictments on Sussman at any time, including charging him for a second false statement to federal officials in the February 2017 visit to the CIA. Durham has been revealing a major criminal conspiracy for several months now without charging anybody for it, yet. He could be starting with the milder false statement charges while he shows the co-conspirators just how much he knows so he can get more of them to flip on the higher-ups. As he works his way up the pyramid of the scheme, starting at the base with the private contractors, each person who flips will give him details on the people at the higher levels of the conspiracy. This is why I believe the indictments will follow this pattern. One, all of the private contractors first, at Perkins Coie, Fusion GPS, New Star, Georgia Tech, Orbis Business Intelligence, LLC. Two, Then the Clinton campaign people, Jake Sullivan, Robbie Mook, Clinton herself. Three, then the FBI, CIA, federal agency people who assisted the conspiracy. Durham's waiting to indict people like Comey and Strzok and McCabe 
because he wants as many lower-level private contractors and Clinton campaign people to flip as he can get before he pulls on that thread. Getting the lower people to flip and rat on the higher-level people is the textbook way you roll up a RICO criminal conspiracy. Which is exactly what Hillary Clinton herself set in motion back in July of 2016. And now she's helpless as she watched Durham close in.